I think it's uh, what you would call the quadrilateral. Um, as Wesleyans, we would call it the quadrilateral. John Wesley did not make that up. He just used these things to do theology. And so the Wesleyan movement, again, started about 1728. And it was really a call to share the gospel to all people. John Wesley got out of the church. He also had a call to social action. He had a call to serve the marginalized and actually spread so quickly, especially in England, that one in every 30 English people were Methodists. So it had a powerful impact on Britain, on England. So um, when I was heard my calling at Baylor, uh, I've been cradle Methodist from the get-go. Um, and uh, everybody always asks about Baylor, and you know why I went to Baylor, because that was free education, and I want to play football there, okay? So uh, I like Grant Taft, and I like Baylor. So I could have went a lot of other places, and I didn't want to go there, so I went to Baylor. But um, I, uh, when I heard the call to ministry, I had a decision to make. A lot of the people I knew were going to be Baptist ministers, and they still are. A lot of my friends are Baptist ministers. And so I had asked myself, went to my mentor, John McKellar, who's the pastor at White's Chapel, where I served for 11 years. And I said, Phil is called a ministry, want to do this. He was like, well, what's your personal theology? You know, you have to decide what your personal theology is. Um, what do you think about scripture? What does scripture say? You know, and, and all those type of things. And then um, how, what were you taught? You know, what did you grow up and learning, things like that, as well as what does your head say? What does your heart say? All those questions. What were your experiences with God? And I was thinking, golly, that answers the question right there. Because if I was another denomination of some other denomination, especially Baptist, I wouldn't ask myself any of those questions. I would just ask myself, what does the Bible say? You know, or whatever. But what does the Bible say in light of the experiences I had? What does the Bible say in light of the tradition and the reason I have in my head as well as how do I then view Scripture? How do I, what's the lens of the world for me? And so um, that's where the quadrilateral comes in uh, for healthy decision-making. Now, y'all raise your hand. You've heard of the quadrilateral. Who's heard of the quadrilateral? Okay, most everybody has, but some of us haven't. And so it's a formula to me for biblical interpretation. That's what people know it. And I would say wise decisions. Try to teach it to the seniors in high school when we do our little um, senior experience trip because they need to make wise decisions when they're seniors about all sorts of things. And then we try to equip them or remind them of the quadrilateral. So you have your little hand out there. I gave that to you because basically you can read yourself, but... You have scripture, you have tradition, you have experience, and you have reason. Okay, These are Wesleyan understandings of how you make wise decisions, interpret scripture. Wesley, again, he didn't say, I'm going to call it the quadrilateral. Um, that was a professor at Perkins. What's the guy's name? Otler. Um, yeah. Okay. Did you have him? As a pet? Yeah. Okay. So he created the quadrilateral terminology, um, but John, because he studied Wesley and how he did things, and these things all popped up. This is what it was. So Wesley and Wesley was a pastoral theologian. He wasn't just a theologian. I mean, he was also a pastor. And so 
the idea that you were going to have to make decisions or you're going to have to interpret scripture had a lot to do with, I mean, he, he had to incorporate his experiences. He had to incorporate tradition. He had to incorporate his reason. I mean, he was, again, um, think and let think. I mean, that's Wesleyan understanding, you know, that we should use our brains. We should use our heads. He was a professor, you know, he went to Oxford. You know, he was, he was a theologian, and he was a professor, and he was also um, a pastor. So he has this sort of mix of all this stuff. So... In figure one, down here at the bottom of our little thing, you can find these online. That's where I got these little deals here. But um, scripture in that figure, okay, is an objective pole, okay? It's, it's the all-encompassing thing, okay? Scripture is primary, okay? Is what is always, I've always heard what has been taught, uh, reason, tradition, experience are subjective poles, okay? And so in light of Scripture, how do you look at all those other things? Now, um, the figure on the back, you can flip it over real quick, is probably a little bit more true to the very understanding of how we would see things in the sense that all four of those things are a lens in which we do our theology, okay? Um, yes, sometimes Scripture being primary is what we would say is, um, well, Scripture says this, and we don't need to talk about it anymore, right? And that's some of what we were just talking about. There's particular things about sexuality in the Bible. The Bible says that, done. We don't talk about it anymore, Okay. Um, the only issue with that is is that we don't do that with a lot of other topics. You know that, right? So there's a lot of stuff in here about divorce. There's a lot of that stuff in here about giving money. There's, I mean, all sorts of stuff. So we don't do it with that. But and that's the argument of more the progressive side when it comes to the idea of sexuality. Okay? So just that's a little tie in there. But... Um, so figure two, to me, I just like it better personally on a lot of fronts. It doesn't take scripture out of the primary role to me, but it, what it says is, you see there, Holy Spirit energized, okay? To me, it needs to, all these things would affect our lens. We're not going to probably go away from the idea that scripture is primary, Okay, And even in that figure, it doesn't have to be not primary, but it, it's always going to be a part of the lens. Okay, And um, so I just, I love that little figure. I think that's great. But the Holy Spirit energized things is a huge deal for me. But to me, this is where, like, for healthy decisions, um, on the back here, questions are there. I just left, I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about those tonight, but um, I always teach this with young people because I think it's important to say, okay, so where would you go to college? You know, what does scripture tell you about that? You know, and after you get by that, it tells you to go to Baylor or TCU, you know, or a and Whatever, okay. Or where? SMU? No. Texas. No. Anyway, wherever it tells you, and it's not going to tell you anything, right? So scripture doesn't tell you. So how do you make a wise decision on where to go to um, college? Well, 
Then you got what? Tradition. Okay, what are the traditions, right, of your family? What are the traditions of the people you know? Whatever. And that, that maybe has a lot to say about, you know. Or what's your experience? Well, you went and visited and you didn't like the bigness of that or you didn't like that so small and you want to go to a bigger university. And so that helps dictate a lot of your decisions as well as then reason, you know. Okay, let's reason this. Okay, you want to go to Harvard, you know, um, you can get in, that's great, but it's going to cost us $100,000 a year, and we don't make but twenty. so <laughs> the reason is, do not go to Harvard, right? But you can go to whatever, Sam Houston State, right? We can afford that, and you can live at home. So there's some of that, is, so that's reason, right? Use your head, use your brain, you know, you don't want to put yourself in so much debt, you can't live when you get out of school, so... There's a, that's the reason side of things as well. So that's kind of the funny little way of doing it, but I do that with the kids a lot. But yes, sir? I thought traditionally meant Methodist tradition. No, it does not. You see here one of the best ways um, um, to look at tradition is that first sentence there. Uh, interpretation of Scripture does not just begin anew with each person or generation. Generations before us can teach us. Now, I'm going to talk about this. We're doing this essential, seven essential questions, and we're going to talk about faith and reason this Sunday. And a lot of people think they're in conflict and incompatible and for different reasons. But if you uh, talk about, like, um, thinking a new um, uh, interpretation of Scripture does not just begin anew. There's a reason, like... We use human thought. You might hear me say this on Sunday. We use human thought to develop the idea of the Trinity. Like we literally got biblical truths from using reason. Okay? In the Bible, it doesn't say Trinity at all. Right? But we would stake our claim on it, wouldn't we? Right? But that is tradition. That is tradition that was developed by Augustine or somebody who back in the day. And they came up with that through human reason by saying, well, God looked like he's the father and then he's also a son. And then there was this Holy Spirit thing or the, you know, and so like, what does all that mean? So thinking through it, as well as some other things. Okay. So. To counter accusations that Christianity was not a monotheistic religion, mm -hmm. that Father, Son, and Spirit were in fact three different gods. Right, and then they had to reason to explain. Explain that. Gods. That's right. That's some of the the text I'm using on Sundays from Acts chapter 17, verse 17, and it talks about how Paul reasoned with the Athenians. So, um, reason dictates a lot. Um, again, it, it kind of makes us unique in some, not, not all denominations, but compared to some other denominations, it does. To have reason, to consider tradition. Okay, you know, we actually explain infant baptism because of the tradition of the church. That's not only, you know, it's not just biblical because it doesn't really say in there that babies were in, baptized um, we can find that when it says Paul baptized the house of Stephen and we can assume you know and all these different I mean we can read into particular scriptures but tradition was is this 
first century Christians had children and then they were like, okay, if Jesus is coming back to, they thought Jesus was coming back the next day, right? So what are they supposed to do? Well, Jesus said baptize. So they baptize their babies, right? And so that was tradition. So that influences why we do things. I mean, there's other reasons why we do it as well, our understanding of baptism, but those all are part of tradition that we didn't come up with in the United Methodists as well. So um, experience, uh, you know, all that stuff. So that is kind of a way to make decisions, I think, wise decisions in our life. I don't know if you have a decision in your life. How could we, could we use this? Anybody have any examples or anything like that that you want to, like, run through the system, run through the quadrilateral? That's what we do with the seniors. I was like, come on, give me something, you know, and we'll... We'll put it through there. We don't have to spend all day on it, but we can spend some time on it. Be fun. Yeah. Why do we have a confirmation when they get to be twelve? Well, <laughs> tradition. No. <laughs> well, I would say tradition, but I would say experience because typically people would say that's an age of accountability because they have a somewhat understanding of what they're. Taking in, sure. Bar mitzvah and all that stuff. Yeah. So you can. There's lots of ways. Right. How about the Bible inerrant? Is the Bible inerrant? Okay. What would the scripture say about that? Got to start with scripture. Is the Bible inerrant? Without error. What would Scripture say about that? Because it contradicted itself. <laughs> I don't know. You know, what does Scripture say about that? It says it's inspired word. We would believe it's the inspired word. Don't change it. it. Says that, right? Those type of things. Tradition would say, well, some traditions would say it's error-free. Other traditions would say it is error and some compilations of how it was compiled and things like that. There's a possibility of it being having some error. So, yeah. I mean, you could... Well, none of the letters... You know. I mean, that's why it's saying the letters. Mm-hmm. The letters don't talk about it being in there. Right. No, it's not a it typical... Part of the gospel. That's not a word used in there. It's not a word used in the Bible. What about the that. portion of the Bible that tells us how we're supposed to treat our slaves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah, that's the reason you have experience. That's right. Because you have to understand <laughs> right. the, the circumstances at the time that passage was written. Yes, right. At the yeah. time they were talking about that, that was yeah. a good thing to treat mm-hmm. your slaves. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. It yeah. didn't necessarily speak to the issue that we have today right. with slavery. Yeah. Well, it, it, puts, it puts our culture into context and helps us make correct, wise decisions for where we are. And that's where I would say we have an impasse on a lot of stuff within Methodism as we just had, you know, the general conference. Because this is used in light of even, like, some scripture says... I mean, you can bring up slavery. I mean, yeah, we should do this. Slavery should be, well, we know in experience, reason, and even tradition, we would say in today's world, that's not a healthy thing. So other people do that about particular sexuality and orientation of sexuality. So. In the everyday life in the business world, I had a 
four-step process here? Sure. Did she steal from you? Yes. No, I mean, whatever. So reason comes into the play. I mean, reason comes into play. Yeah, sure, sure. I didn't go to Scripture. You can. You can go to Scripture, but then you also have to... I don't... So to me, I don't... I might have done this when I was younger. I would always say, well, if the Scripture says this, then you're, just, you're done. You don't ask the other three questions. I still think you ask all three questions. I think that's why I kind of enjoy the Holy Spirit-empowered side of this is you, you see that through all the lens. You see Scripture through this lens. Um, but it has to be Holy Spirit-empowered. You can't just like be like, well, I came up with this idea on my own while I was sitting out there. You know, it's like, okay, well, let's test your theory on that one, buddy. You know, um, and you know, if I come in, so I always say that's why reason is very important. But if I walk into this room and I say, I have got some Kool-Aid over here, guys, and we are all going to drink it because the Lord wants us to go to Him tonight. Hopefully, you'll be like, well, I don't think that's a great idea. <laughs> You know, I mean, yeah, maybe scripture says, hey, you know, obey your, uh, you know, your elders or whatever in the in teaching scripture. But, you know, tradition shows us that might not have been a good decision back in the day. Right. Or possibly, you know, our reason says, you know, we can think for ourselves, you know. And so just because Marty heard something from the Lord doesn't mean we all heard it, you know. So uh, that uh, has a lot to do. And so we again and other denominations are like this. We're a thinking person's denomination on a lot of stuff, you know? We don't just go, well, whatever the Bible says, you know? And y'all really, this is what, I've said this before, but our theology and understanding of the Bible is influenced by someone other than ourselves and God every single time we read it and everything. I mean, so it's just like, well, that's just what the Bible says, you know? It's like, well, actually, that's probably what you heard your childhood pastor say or you heard somebody talk about or whatever. Um, your, your theology and your, the idea of the Bible a lot of times is influenced by a lot of people. There's some interpretation going on there. And that's why I love the Wesleyan understanding of the quadrilateral. It just helps us understand how to truly do it in a healthy way. So, Have you ever heard the, the, the criticism that we get about being wishy-washy? Oh, uh, yeah. Because we mm -hmm. take different positions and we allow different positions? Yes. Yeah, we used to get a lot more flack for that back in the day a little bit. I don't know if we Not did. Not so much anymore. Not so much anymore, I think, because a lot more people are actually Wesleyan than they want to admit, <laughs> is what I think out there. But um, in today's world, for sure, in Christianity, I think they see it as a healthy I used to hear way. that from my Baptist friends. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, the wishy-washy. <laughs> I understand, yeah. But again, I mean, just because something says something somewhere doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, I mean, we need to, in light of these things, it's very important for us to help make decisions or interpret scripture, things like that. So, I, I give you, you know. a good example. I think years ago, doing a wedding, it was at the rehearsal dinner, mm -hmm. and the parents of the groom introduced me to this couple, and the lady said that, uh, yeah, when you get to that part of it, she said her husband was going to give the groom a hard time. She said, when you get to that part of the service where you ask if he oh, yeah. showed just cause why these two yeah. should not be told. Yeah. I said, well, we don't ask that. We don't anymore. ask that question. <laughs> like, we don't ask the wife, the bride, to right. about being submissive to her husband. Right. right. Well, 
place where you should. And I said, why should I? Yeah. She said, how can she submit to God if she doesn't submit to her husband? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this is a conversation that needs to stop mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. Uh, because the second part of that scripture also talks about husbands loving their wives yeah. perfectly as Perfect, Christ loves right. And I always tell the brides, right. as soon as your husband loves you perfectly, yes. you submit to him. Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting, isn't it? Well said. I know. You got to use tradition, experience, reason. I think it's a. It's. A, I just think it's great. Yeah. True. It's true. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, one thing I always use when I when I'm trying to explain this to a broader community too, a lot of times would be like women in in ministry. You know. Um, is good because it says, you know, do not, you know, Paul says a bunch of times, you know, and they should never lead men or whatever. I mean, all that stuff. And, you know, but, huh? Yeah, head covered, all that stuff. And, you know, so Scripture says all that. But in light of Scripture, what has been the tradition? Well, we also hear Scripture say that there were women in ministry for Paul and tradition shows there's been women in ministry. And then our experience, you know, when you hear, you know, you see a, a woman in ministry, you go, wow, that's the Holy Spirit working in them. You know, that's a calling, you know. So, you, you but um, there, there are people, uh, again, this is different than a lot of uh, people you might run into. Have you ever heard anybody say, and I always joke about it with y'all all the time, but have you ever say, well, that's just what my pastor said, and I believed him, right? And I'm like, okay, I mean, I do want y'all to believe me. I try to do my best to be well-informed, but you're, it's okay if you disagree with me on something, you know? Or, um, and it's not that you're not believing me, but it's just funny how, you know... And I think that that's caused abuse of authority and all sorts of things. So um, what, what's the phrase, you know? If somebody tells you not to think, then just run away, right? Um, so, well, uh, that's kind of where... So you can see why we might have some division if we use the quadrilateral in interpreting Scripture. Every, because other people have different experiences than we do, and they are measuring against other people who are confirming those experiences, okay? And we might not have had those experiences. So we might say, well, I disagree with something. So we have that division that's going on. Um, and that would might be a good, good thing to consider. So this is a helpful thing. And if you have grandkids or children or whatever and need to make good decisions, this would be a good thing to share with them. So you can take it, make copies. Um, I would give this to every college student you know personally so that they can make good healthy decisions and they don't get like into some cult is the best way to say that so extras back there okay thank you well go in go in peace and uh next week ash wednesday we're off and then we're off the next week so i don't see y'all well i'll see you hopefully ash wednesday 6.30 Ash Wednesday. No classes. Spring break. I'll be gone. No dinner. No dinner spring break either. So. Yes. 
If y'all email me, I can email you a copy of this thing. So, and I might include what I call the college cheat sheet that I made up for um, students. So.